This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. It's the amazing Rico Bronia podcast with your host, Evan Roberts. Everybody, welcome to another edition of Rico Bronia. Follow, subscribe, rate the podcast. If you have a free second, we do appreciate it. So today we will listen to the Pete Alonzo press conference from over the weekend. Uh, We'll listen to the entire thing. We'll pause it after every answer, and we'll give you our thoughts on what Pete had to say. Uh, We did that last week for David Stearns. People seem to like it. And so since Pete showed up at Metcamp over the weekend and he met the media and he was asked a lot of questions about a possible contract extension, we'll go through it. It's funny. There are many Met fans who reacted to what Pete had to say with positivity. And there are many Met fans who reacted to it with negativity. So we will try to be as honest as possible in listening to what Pete had to say. But before we start there, the Mets did make a couple of signings over the weekend that I want to officially announce do not impact my roster projections for the start of the season. Even though they did add G-Man Choi and they did add Luke Voigt. uh, And yeah, there are scenarios where these two guys can make the team. I still think they are unlikely scenarios. They are scenarios that involve injuries. Let's be honest. And that's the thing that obviously can derail what you think a roster is going to look like. But do I think G-Man Choi, I'll start with him. Do I think G-Man Choi has a chance to beat out DJ Stewart for a roster spot? Absolutely not. And I'll give you a couple of reasons why. First of all, I think there has to be something said for what DJ Stewart did over the final few months of last season. I know David Stearns wasn't the team president at that time, but I think he's aware of what DJ did. Plus, DJ offers more versatility. I mean, G-Man Choi is a first baseman. That's it. And when you've got Pete Alonzo, who wants to play first base every day, I don't blame him for that, he's not going to be DHing three, four times a week. Where's G-Man Choi playing? DJ Stewart can play left field. He can play right field. No, by the way, he didn't look bad doing it. So, When they added Choi, I thought the competition like he was bringing was for DJ Stewart. But the more you think about it, like I just don't see a reason, a good reason, why you would actually elect to send DJ Stewart down to the minor leagues and have G-Man Choi be that left-handed bat off the bench or that left-handed DH. The other guy they added was Luke Voigt. Haven't we done this before? Like, haven't we had the Luke Voigt dance? Remember last year? And Luke Voigt hit at AAA. And the fact the Mets didn't call him up, I think, was an indicator that they have no plan for him. And Void is the same issue with G-Man Choi. Where's his versatility? You know, if you want to add a bat, ideally, it would be a guy that can play multiple positions unless you're adding a real DH. So I didn't look at the signing of Void and Choi, A, as something that would take them out of the pursuit of J.D. Martinez. It shouldn't. Or B, 
a real threat to make this roster. I don't think either guy is a real threat to make the roster. I think the only way G-Man Choi or Luke Voigt makes this team is if there are injuries. And hopefully, as I knock on wood, we don't see those injuries. The other things came from Carlos Mendoza over the last few days, specifically about Jet Williams and Luis Angel Acuna and where they're going to play position-wise. Mendoza said Jet Williams will play a lot of shortstop and a lot of center field throughout spring training. And Luis Angel Acuna will play shortstop and second base. So we're seeing them keep Acuna and Williams at their natural shortstop positions, even though, let's face it, barring an injury to Francisco Lindor, they're never playing shortstop at the major league level. Because not only does Lindor play shortstop, you know, all the time, he doesn't exactly take a lot of off days. And that's one of the positives about Francisco Lindor. So I think keeping Williams and Acuna at playing shortstop is just to kind of keep their feet wet, just in case, A, they're traded to another team. I guess it enhances their value. And B, in case there is an injury to Lindor. But the truth is, their future positions here are not shortstop. So we get a little indicator. Acuna second base, no outfield. Jet Williams outfield, no second base. And luckily, I think there are avenues to where both guys can be at the major league level. I mean, second base is Jeff McNeil, but the one thing about Jeff McNeil is you can easily play him in left or right. And the outfield, to me, is wide open. Because right now, when you look at the Met outfield, to me, I see one guy who's rock solid in Brandon Nimmo. Starling Martin needs to prove he's healthy. And we all know the deal with Harrison Bader. Moore is a fourth outfielder. So interesting to see where they view Jet Williams and Luis Angel Acuna. But right now, Jet Williams, shortstop, center field. Acuna, shortstop, second base. Now, let's get to Pete Alonso. I have made very clear I want this man back. I wanted the Mets to be more aggressive in pursuing a contract extension this offseason. Did Pete Alonso give us some answers regarding that? Let's take a listen. So here's the way it works. We'll play it. You'll hear the question. You'll hear Pete's answer. And we will quickly stop and give you our reaction of what Pete Alonso had to say. So Pete Hoffman, hit it, baby. Um, Pete, you know, obviously there's there's been a lot of talk about your contract situation heading into this year. How would you characterize where things stand right now with, with you and the organization and all yeah. of that? Um, so right now I, I just feel, I feel really blessed that I get to, um, I get to be a part of this 2024 squad. Um, I think we have a, a really good team. I'm super excited to, to get this uh, spring training underway. Um, I mean, we have a great group and I, I'm really excited. I, I'm really excited to be here and, and playing in, in a, iconic city like new york i mean it's it's really a blessing i mean it's a it's a great place to play and and fans are fans are awesome like i i mean it's i uh i love it so it's it's um again i'm just really i'm really blessed to be here major props to pete talk about not answering the question (laughs) i mean it wasn't he basically said i am just so excited about this team about this year about this city and did a marvelous job of at least for one question, because he wasn't able to do this the entire time, of completely avoiding answering the question about his contract. So, bravo, Pete. Good job. But what Pete also knew was the New York media was not going to give up with one dodge. He was going to be faced with more contract questions and would eventually have to give some answers. So let's hear it. I know David said the other day that the most likely scenario is you guys play out this season and then see what's what. Would you like to try and get something done prior to this season ending, or are you comfortable doing that? 
Well, this, um, I mean, this for me right now, I've just been, just been sitting back and listening and the, the only contract matters that we talked about were, um, my one year contract this year. And, uh, again, my job, I'm, I'm very happy that I'm, I'm back with this group and, and yeah, I, I'm, I'm stoked. I'm stoked to get this year going and, um, it's an exciting time in spring. Now, right there, Pete gave you some news. If you want to believe Pete Alonzo, and I choose to believe Pete Alonzo, I don't think he's lying, which is the Mets have only talked to him about the one-year deal that he's already agreed to. That's based on Pete's answer, that the Mets have not even broached the idea of a long-term contract, which, you know, I like Pete, and again, I want to believe him. But that would be ridiculous if the Mets didn't even test the waters on a long-term contract. Like, it's one thing to say, oh, but you know Scott Boris, Evan. There's no way he would ever agree to this or that or this. I'm not saying that, but you would at least try. You would at least say, all right, Scott, you know, we're thinking, and then you lay out your framework. He says you're a million miles away, and then, okay, fine. It's that upon arrival, and he gets to free agency. But according right there to Pete Alonso. The only discussion they've had was about the one-year deal that he has already signed. I find it hard to believe. Either Pete is not being truthful or the Mets are incompetent. Like, that would be the two choices. And by incompetent, hear me out on this. It doesn't mean the Mets would have to give in to whatever Pete or Scott wanted. But the idea that they would never broach a long-term contract, not even bring it up, just to get an idea of what it would look like is crazy. So, I don't know. You put me in a tough spot, Pete. Do I think you're full of crap or do I think the Mets are incompetent? Because those seem to be the two choices. Well, can I throw a third one out there, which is going to be left field, which I like to be left field a lot. That's my position. Um, sure. Is it possible that Boris is keeping everything like tight to the vest? Like there's Pete and Boris have had conversations and it is basically, let me handle it. I will come to you when I when you need to know. Uh, so you're saying Pete's being honest. Like, he's actually not lying. He just has no idea what the hell's going on. And, and that, you know, that would fit I, his I M.O. That would fit his M.O., no? Yeah, I, I wouldn't rule that out because I don't think it's crazy as a player to say to your agent, look, just let me know when it gets close. I don't need to know the details. I don't want to know the details. I don't want to know what they're saying. I don't want to know about intricate contract negotiations. So you know what? In fairness, Pete, I think that is a good third option where Pete's not lying. He just generally doesn't know and says to Scott, handle it. And if you think we're close to anything, then you come back to me and let me know. The other option, I guess we will create a fourth option, is Pete. Scott and the Mets all basically said together, we're not telling the media anything. So we're just going to lie. You know, we're just not going to, we don't want to even let them know we're engaging. I mean, we saw it a few years ago with the Yankees and Aaron judge that sometimes being honest, isn't always the best thing because Brian Cashman was so brutally honest about what they offered Aaron judge. And we know how that turned out. So I guess those are the four possible options. Anyhow, let's hear more from Pete Alonzo. How you doing, Pete? Um, good. Uh, I, I know there's no manual on playing out the final year of your contract, particularly in a big market, but whether it was Brandon from the very recent past or anybody else within the game, has anyone sort of reached out or have you reached out to anyone to help kind of guide you through whatever pitfalls might present themselves? 
Um, I think uh, a lot of a lot of my teammates in the past, from um, I mean, from Todd Frazier, Robbie Cano, and obviously having Max Verlander and a uh, ton of the veteran guys. Uh, as I've progressed throughout my career, it's like uh, I guess the whole we've never really talked about like free agency or anything like that. The only thing we've talked about is uh, the only thing, nothing changes. You, you come in and do your job. Uh, for me, my job is to give the best four or five at bats I possibly can every night, play the best first base that I can be, be a good teammate, run the base as well. Like that's my job. And that doesn't really change no matter where I'm at in my career. My job is the, is the same. And, and that's to do my part best of my ability and, and help the team win. That's, that's really it. It's a, it's a good simplistic answer by Pete, but it's true. I mean, really, what can you do differently? You can't do anything differently. If you try to do things differently, you're going to fail. You can't press, you can't put too much pressure on yourself. And maybe that goes back to what you were saying, Pete, that maybe Alonzo tells Scott Boris, I don't want to know anything. And that, that could be it. Now, Good to hear Howie Rose. Good to hear Howie already down there. I guess he lives in Florida now, so for him, it's hop, skip, and a jump. Let me show up and ask Pete a question. But, yeah, it doesn't sound like Pete's asking for advice from other veteran players on how to handle free agency. Uh, Brandon Nimmo would be – I mean, he's got two teammates, Brandon Nimmo and Francisco Lindor. Lindor is the one who signed his extension right before opening day with a year before free agency. Obviously a little different because Lindor had never played a game for the Mets, but certainly signed – before entering his walk season and Nimmo played it through and had a very good walk season. As we saw, got to free agency. It was scary at times. And eventually the Mets got it done. So he's got two guys in his own room that have two possible outcomes of this whole thing. I'm happy one that Anthony Rizzo is not a Met because he would tell Pete Alonzo, get as much as you possibly can. The other, the, on, on the other hand though, I am a little – it's a little different from Nimmo and Lindor because they dealt with Epler, and I can't remember who was it at the time. Was it Porter or was it um, – who was the other guy? Who who was running the, the Mets when – Scott. Zach Scott. Zach Scott. I think it was Jared Porter. You know what? Honestly, I get those two confused <laughs> in terms of when they were running the franchise. Not Not their transgressions, obviously, but – what, who was running the franchise at one point. But yeah, we're talking about completely different guys. I mean, it shows you how the Mets have had no consistency over the last few years. That We're talking about all these different GMs that have dealt with these extensions. Just to be clear, you said you didn't talk about anything other than your one-year deal. To your knowledge, were there any talks between your agents and the Mets? I mean, how serious did anything get, if at all? Um, I, I, Again, it was only the... We we sat and listened, and the only thing that um, that we talked about was uh, was the one year deal. And as someone who you know, you said many times how much you love this team, how much you love this city. Mm-hmm. Does the idea of free agency is that something that you fear, that you look forward to, that you're curious about? How do you sort of look at it a year away? Um, I I don't really know because I'm not I'm not there. Um, I'm I'm not there yet right now. I'm. Um, Right now, I'm just focused on this year. I'm just focused on preparing for a season. I'm preparing to uh, to play 162 games, regular season games, and uh, earn the right to be in the postseason. And uh, for me, I just want to be the best I can be every day. I can't really think about being a free agent because I'm not. I'm not. I'm just simply not there yet. I'm just totally focused on being the best I can be for uh, for the guys in the clubhouse, uh, the coaching staff, and the organization. It seems like he was coached to say, we listened. 
Because I think that's the second or third time he's already said that in the press conference. We sat back and listened. We, you know, we, we, we chilled. We listened. Meanwhile, what were you listening to? Because this is, again, Pete saying they never talked about a long-term contract. Not of his knowledge, but basically we never talked about a long-term contract, which bothers me if it turns out to be true. Bothers me on, you know, the med end that you wouldn't at least pursue the possibility of getting it done. Because I laid this out on the air last week on Evan and Tiki, and I, and I really believe this. There are two gambles you can make when it comes to Pete and free agency. Gamble number one is you work out a deal now, and you may have overpaid him. You may have overpaid him. And really, at the end of the day, okay, yeah, you may have overpaid him. Who knows? You never know what a guy's going to get in the open market and free agency. But that's the risk by being aggressive in getting a deal done right now which many deem is stupid. I've heard a lot of Met fans say, that's dumb. Why would you extend him now? That's the risk you're taking. The risk you're taking is that you overpay him. You give him more than maybe he would have gotten free agency. Now let's address the risk of if you let him get to free agency. The risk you have is that you lose him. The risk that you have is that one team, and that's all you need, one team makes a really big, dumb, quote-unquote, offer. You say it would be crazy to match it, I could already hear Met fans, you know, already spouting that out of their mouth. Ah, it's crazy. How could you how could you pay him that? And now you've lost him. So when you weigh the risks of signing him now, or at least being aggressive and trying to sign him now, I, I understand with Scott Boris, there's no guarantee. Scott Boris could be privately saying, I ain't signing anything. You'd be better off from 450 million bucks and I ain't signing. But assuming that there was a fair negotiation, your risk of doing it now is more money. Your risk of doing it in the offseason is losing him. That's the risk that you have. And so I wouldn't, I still don't understand if what Pete is saying is accurate, how the Mets wouldn't even be talking to him about a contract and instead just trying to figure out the one year. Pete, uh, wondering what prompted you after the season to, to switch representation to uh, Boris? Um, I just, I just thought that uh, he, I just thought that uh, Scott and and his team are just the best representations for myself and uh, and my family. That's it. All right. Well, first of all, he switched agents because in his mind, he thinks Scott Boris is going to get him the most money. It's a very, very simple answer. Is that the case? I, I can't even say that's the case because sometimes if you're that good, it doesn't matter who your agent is. Aaron Judge wasn't represented by Scott Boris. Aaron Judge went out and had a monster effing season, and then got a lot of money. So the simple answer is, I think, because that's the key word you don't know, I think Scott Boris is going to get me the most money. He may keep me in free agency until March of next year, but I think he's going to get the most money. And that's why you switched agents, Pete, if we're just being honest. Part of you wonder if... You know, you saw it last year when the team fell out of contention at the trade deadline that the they liquidated and traded uh, big pieces. If that could be you, if the team's in that situation again. Well, um, I mean, I that's a that's a lot to think about. I just had my first live BP session, so <laughs> um, I again, I, that, I, don't, I don't, I don't know. That's a that's a good answer, by the way. Just make everybody laugh because. I know why Puma is asking the question. I get it, that that is a possibility, that that's something we may be talking about in a couple of months if the Mets are off to a bad start. But what the hell is he supposed to say? 
are we going to get a declaration? Please don't trade me. Or yeah, get me the hell out of here. If the team stinks, I want to be in the postseason. So I thought that was beautiful. That was a good way to get the media off your back, make them laugh and say, look, I just had my first live BP session. What the hell do you want me to say? Good job by Pete. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion championship team. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, Pete, uh, when you were talking about how uh, the only conversation was about the one-year deal that you settled in January, did you want the team to come to you? Did you welcome that? Did Scott... Yeah, oh, I mean, I mean, we... Uh, I know Scott made a pun during the winter meetings, um, but, I mean, I've... Yeah, we just sat back and listened, and definitely we... We, we welcome conversation. It's just that the only conversation we had, it was about the... Uh, the one-year deal but hey listen like i'm i'm stoked to i'm stoked to be here i'm really really excited and i mean i'm I'm proud to play for new york i'm proud to be a met so it's it's really like i'm uh yeah it's a blessing because it's a it's a great place to be it's a great fan base and i I mean i can't i love it here it's great he's giving you all the good red meat i love it here i love the fans i'm having a great time even there he says yeah we'd be open to talking about a long-term contract but they didn't approach me about it. You know what I, I'd love to know? I'd love to know how these conversations even go. This is why I could never be a general manager or I couldn't be an agent. I used to rep- represent myself uh, at WFAN for years. And guess what, Hoff? I got destroyed every single time. <laughs> I was terrible in that negotiating room. <laughs> I would say, hey, I want to raise. Chernoff would say, now. And then I'd say, please, can I have a raise? <laughs> And he'd say now, and then I'd be stuck making, you know, the same amount of money. 
And then eventually I hired an agent and immediately I got a massive raise because wow, I don't know what the hell I was doing. But what I'm so curious about is if David Stearns wants to talk to Scott Boris about a long-term contract, how does it even go? Like, do they start talking about money immediately? Is it a, do you dance around each other? Like, how does that discussion even go? Because I also wonder with this whole, we only talked about one year, if it's semantics, if they danced around the idea of a long-term contract and Stearns got the impression early on, wow, they ain't budging. You know, Boris is asking for $400 million over 10 years, which I know sounds absurd, but hey, when you're starting a negotiation, you ask for something absurd. And it's possible that Scott Boris asked for that, or at least alluded to that. And the Mets basically said, well, we're not negotiating off of 10 years, $400 million, so F it, to go to free agency. But we don't know. That's the whole frustrating thing about this thing. We don't actually know what kind of conversations they've had. But Pete is sticking to the script. I'm open. I'm listening. But we only talked about the one year. All right, so just FYI, you know that Scott Boris started with at least one, maybe two puns before they sat down. That's the first thing. Because Of course. Ah! Of course. And then the, the second thing is, like, I, I love Pete, but the one thing I hate about this type of interview, this type of press conference, you're right, he's saying all the right things, want to be a Met, you know, love being a Met, blah, 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 blah. And then come free agency, if they can't get a deal done and he goes somewhere else, what happened to love him being the Met? Like it just—it's to me that's fake and phony. I don't—I don't like it if he do, turns out to not be here. And there's an offer made at some point in time. You know what I mean? Well, here's the problem. I mean, it takes two to tango. You know, that's—that's that's the issue with this whole thing. Like, we could say, hey, well, what happened, Pete? You said you loved it here, and now you're gone. Well, guess what? If they don't make a big enough offer, you know, can I play something for of you? Of course. I'm going to play this. Hopefully this comes out all right. Uh, I save this in my phone because it's something very similar to what we're listening to right now. And I'm not even going to give a context. I'm just going to play it. Uh, and then you're going to hear it and you're going to get a stomachache. I just promise you that. Ladies and gentlemen, this is from spring training 2022. And you may have remembered him as Jacob DeGrom. And I said it before, love being a Met. I think it would be really cool to be one for my entire career. But, um, you know, the plan is to um, exercise that option and and be in constant contact in the offseason with the Mets and, and uh, Steve Cohen in the front office. Now, here's the problem with that. It wasn't I love the Mets. It was the end of I'll be in constant contact. Because I think there's going to be a lot of people listening saying, well, that wasn't the case. But it takes two to tango. Maybe he wasn't in constant contact with the Mets because the Mets offer was so far away from what Texas was offering. So when you hear that clip, I could see why you'd say DeGrom's a freaking liar because technically he was. I don't think he was in real contact with the Mets. But why was he not in contact with the Mets? Was it because he didn't want to be here? Or was it because... The Mets offer was so far away. It was a waste of time to be in contact. So I, I you just heard that, Pete. When you hear that, do you get pissed off at Jacob DeGrom? Disappointed? I don't, I don't know if I can get pissed off at him, but I'm disappointed. And I'm disappointed in you, too. But it's similar. Why? You have that on the tip of your phone just like that? Like, do you want to hurt, torture yourself on a daily <laughs> basis? <laughs> well, I don't listen to it all the time. I may have saved it during this whole exercise from two years ago. <laughs> but 
we may do the same thing with Pete in a year from now if he's gone. But it, it takes two to tango. Like the Mets didn't make DeGrom a big enough offer. It's understandable why he's gone. And it could be the same thing with Pete. We don't know ultimately in free agency next year what the Mets are going to offer. If the Cubs offer him more money, he's gone. And that's not because he's Scott Boris. That's because most players are like that. Most players, and Pete has been outspoken about some of the things he thinks has gone on in Major League Baseball. He once threw out accusations that baseball unjuices the balls in years in which hitters are free agents and juices the balls in years in which top pitchers are free agents. That's an actual accusation Pete Alonso's made. Now, I'm not here to say he's right or wrong, but what I am here to say is if you think that way, you're probably a union guy who ain't taking a dime less. And let me make this clear. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with a baseball player saying, pay me the most money. Most people are like that with their jobs. So when we hear these clips and you say, oh, this is going to piss me off when he's gone. Yeah, well, if the Mets don't make him the highest offer, he'll be gone. Spoiler alert. Let's hear more from Pete. Oh, this is making me depressed. The season hasn't even started yet. Jesus. Just one more follow-up on that. Just um, say the season plays out with the way Dave Stearns said that was the likely scenario of perhaps like you not coming to an agreement with the Mets and just season playing out, you become a free agent. How surprised would you be if they didn't pursue you, pursue you in free agency in an aggressive way? Yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't know. Um, again, like I'm right now, I haven't really thought of those scenarios because like the, the season's not over. Like, like I said, like I just had my first, first live VP session and um, I, I my whole focus this year is to be the be the best I can be, uh, be as locked in mentally and physically as possible to help this team win. That's my job. And um, yeah, well, I mean, we'll see what, what happens in the future. I don't know what's going to happen, but um, I, I'm fully committed to being the best best player and best teammate I can be to uh, help this team win. I think when he's asked a question that he doesn't have an answer to, his fallback is all that be the best teammate, not even think about it. But it's a tough question to answer because the reporter is basically saying, hey, would you be surprised if the Mets don't pursue you? I mean, I think we'd all expect the Mets would at least try to pursue him. He should be offended if the Mets don't pursue him. If, you know, the greatest slugger in the history of the franchise gets the free agency and the Mets are like, all right, we'll see you later. Uh, yeah, that would offend me and it would certainly offend Pete Alonso. Can you definitively say that you want to be a lifelong Met? And also, do you believe that as the season plays out, you'll have the numbers and the production that at the end, you know, everything will work out in your favor? I mean, I for me, I think that um, number one goal is just being healthy through the uh, through the course of the year. I, I love it here. I definitely, uh, I definitely have envisioned myself of, of being a lifelong Met. That's a that's something I've definitely thought about. Um, and I love I love New York. It's a really special place uh, for uh, my family and I. And I I've definitely thought of the idea. I've definitely welcomed the idea. But I can't predict the future. Um, and for me, I just want to focus on on this season. I just want to be the best person I can be. And I've sat back and, and listened. I've, and uh, just want to be the the best player I can be. That's it. It goes back to that. I just sit back and listen. <laughs> Uh, I don't, wouldn't take any negative out of that. He wants to be here. The Mets have to pay him. That's, that's what I took out of that answer. I'd love to be in New York. I love the place. I have nothing against this place, but show me the freaking money. That's what I take from that answer. 
I have this bad. He's gone. There's nothing we can do. I had that. I had that bad quote coming. What? Why though? Oh. Like why? I mean, Pete Alonso is basically telling you, "I love it here." Now, if you don't trust the Mets, that's a different story. But I'm getting nothing from Pete that leads me to think he doesn't want to be here. Are I, you? I love Pete, and I I believe him, but it's set up for. It's not going to work out. It's set up for Scott Boris is my coach now. He's coaching me through this whole process. And I'm going to go out and have a great season or as good of a season as possible. And I'm going to overprice the Mets. And which, by the way, shouldn't be overpriced because Steve Cohen should be able to put out as much money as he wants for him. But there's another guy out there on free agency. His name is going to be Juan Soto. And is it possible the Mets can get both guys? And I think they'll go for one. And that won't be Pete Alonso. And you know what's so tricky about that? I think we all agree as much as we love Pete Alonso, Juan Soto is clearly a better player. I don't think anybody would debate who the better player is, but I hate being put in that position. You know, Pete Alonso is a great slugger. He's a homegrown Met, and for him to be gone and for it to be, well, but you got Juan Soto. Yeah, Juan Soto's a tremendous player. Nobody's arguing that Juan wouldn't be the better player, has been the better player, is younger and all that. But I hate it having to be a choice because I think our vision was keep your homegrown guys and be able to add superstars, not have to choose between two guys. But look, all I'm saying to you and all I'm saying to anybody listening is so far through this press conference, we'll keep listening. I have not heard anything from Pete Alonzo that would make me think he doesn't want to be here. Just I want to get paid. What do you think of some of the additions that the team made over the winter? Yeah, I'm, I'm stoked. Um, I'm stoked. We got some, um, we filled, we filled a lot of holes of, uh, of personnel and obviously I'm, I'm super stoked about having Harrison back. Um, uh, I mean, Harrison's a good buddy of mine. Uh, we've been good buddies since college. I know that we've, uh, we've added some really good starting pitching as well as some great defensive pieces. And I feel like that, um, I feel like again, like we have a great core and, um, yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's it's really exciting. I'm really excited to gel and, and, and get to know these guys, not just personally, but on the ball diamond as well, like when we get games going. So it's it's definitely exciting. I'm really I'm really excited about our group. Well, I'll tell you this about Harrison Bader. I don't know if you guys have noticed, but he's growing out his beard. I almost think that he listens to the show and he's being very loyal to Pete Alonzo. And he's saying, you know what? I got a red beard, too. I'm going to grow that some bitch out. Out of loyalty to me, to my buddy Pete Alonzo, I always love when that question's asked. What'd you think of the off season? Could you imagine a player, whether it's Francisco Lindor who was asked the same question, or Pete Alonzo saying, "What do I think of the off season? I think it sucked. <laughs> I was not impressed." <laughs> I mean, could, could you imagine? So I always love those questions. You you listen to it thinking, "Do I sense any sarcasm? Does he really believe this was a good off season?" But I think in Pete's case, he genuinely is excited that his buddy's on the team and Harrison Bader. Just what have your impressions been so far of David Stearns and Carlos Mendoza? Um, it was nice. I mean, I had a had a good conversation with both those guys today, and um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to uh, to keep keep communications with both those guys. And as the year goes on, I mean, right now it's I mean it's still early, but when we start playing uh, spring training games and as we get on to the season, like it's gonna be it's gonna be great working with those guys. Yeah, I don't think we're going to find out about a relationship between manager and player until the grind really starts. 
It does appear like Carlos Mendoza has tried to form bonds with a lot of guys on this roster, which is nice to hear. David Stearns even said at that press conference he wants to talk to all his players. And I am so curious. So David Stearns and Pete Alonso are sitting there in the dugout. They're chatting it up. Does Pete ever say, so you're going to pay me? You son of a bitch. Like, what's going on here? <laughs> Who cares if that ever happens? It just like from this press conference alone, it's just, you know, we, the contract thing is going to be out there. As you get into the season, do you – is it going to be hard to separate like stuff you do on the field with thinking about your financial future or how, how do you envision that kind of go? Maybe it's crept into a little now. I, I don't know. <laughs> no, um, no. I, I mean, I'm again, like my, my job, like I said before, it's, it's the same. It's to put together, like have the, as many quality at bats as I possibly can, four or five at bats a day, play good defense, run the bases, well, be a good teammate. Like, and if I'm, if I'm out there, um, like, those things will take care of themselves, but I'm just focused on one day at a time and um, not just team wise and personally for personally, I'd want to do whatever I can to help help the team win. And then team wise is uh, do whatever we can to beat whoever we're facing that day. Just go one and know every day. Nice. Good cliched answer by Pete. Yeah. Keep it a cliched, keeping it smart, keeping it very simple. Did you get together with Mendoza at all in the Tampa area in the off season as a get to know you sort of thing? Uh, yeah, he came out and watched uh, Harrison and I hit and do some defensive work. Um, it was awesome talking with him then. Um, yeah, and I'm excited to keep getting to know him. And uh, as we as we get going and as we start playing games and get in the fight of the season, it's gonna be it's gonna be awesome because that's when that's when char- like the true character of somebody comes out. And I'm excited for that. Like that that's the damn truth. Like I say that as fans, like that's when we'll find out about Carlos Mendoza. That's when we'll find out about this team. When the season is grinding through, when the fight begins, when adversity occurs. For now, it's everything's great. Like I watched Mendoza's press conference. We're not going to go through that one. And he says all the right things, you know? So far so good. He gave his speech to the uh to pitchers and catchers and the position players that reported his first speech to the team. And he had notes, and then he said, I didn't need the notes anymore. It's all great now. It's all great. This is the honeymoon period. And then things get really crappy come April, May when things go down the toilet. Assuming that happens. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but it could happen. Uh, another thing I like that Pete said, by the way, is him and Harrison have been, Harrison Bader have been practicing before they got to camp. So a lot of people were knocking Pete Alonso. Oh, we just showed up to camp now. Look at Lindor working. He was there for a while. Vientos was there for a while. For a while. Pete Alonso has been working at his game. He just wasn't working at the facility. So I think that you have to understand that for anybody that was criticizing him. Well, it's always crazy. I mean, when a guy shows up, it doesn't matter. Yeah, honestly, it's if they're putting the work in away from the field, obviously you can see it when a guy shows up to camp and he's not ready. It was actually criticism coming out of Yankee camp where Garrett Cole was calling out teammates saying, you got to treat this like an all-year proposition. This isn't the old days. This isn't the 60s where you come to spring training to get in shape. You should be in shape all season long. So as as long as guys are doing that, even if they're not at the spring training facility, that's all that matters. A few years ago when Lindor was going through the free agent spring training thing, contract year thing, he said that he wanted a deal by opening day, or if not, he was comfortable waiting till the off season because during the season he wanted to focus on the season. Have you? Do you have that rule of thumb or, or – standard in mind no i'm there i mean for me there's no there's no real s- standard i guess um i mean for me i'm just sitting back and listening i mean there's no 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 pressure i'm just here um sitting back and listening but my again like i can't reiterate this enough like my 
whole focus is to of this spring training is to get prepared so I can be the best version of myself in the season. That's that's the sole purpose. And throughout this year, I'm going to be as uh, locked in as I possibly can, as I am every year, and want to be the best competitor and teammate I possibly can. That's that's my full focus. So that's actually a really interesting answer. And it could back up something you said earlier, Hoff, about him not being involved in these negotiations and not really knowing what's going on. It's usually odd for there not to be an opening day deadline. You know, we saw that from Francisco Lindor. We saw that from Aaron Judge. We see that from a lot of players. Like, yeah, I'll talk, but on opening day, we're done. We're not having these conversations. And the way he answered that question wasn't him. I didn't take it as there's no deadline. I took it as he has no idea because there was a lot of uh, 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 listening, teammate. Like, he went back to the, the cliches from earlier. And so I almost took that as he has no idea. Like, oh, crap, let me call Scott. (laughs) Let me me ask him, is there a deadline for opening day? And and truthfully, it doesn't matter. If they're not talking about a long-term contract, if that is true, that they have had no discussions about a long-term contract, that is not changing on April 10th. That, 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 like if they were negotiating and they were getting closer and closer, then yeah, you know, maybe that could continue into the early part of the season. But if they're having no discussion, then it continuing in the season doesn't matter because there's no discussion to begin with. But I'm trying to take that answer and understand it. It sounds like a guy that has no idea what's going on in the negotiation. Well, that I agree with you. And here's the other thing, too, is I do think in the back of Pete Alonso's head, that this gets done as soon as possible and he gets the money he wants. And that if that takes place June 1st, he'll take it. Because unlike Juan right. Soto, unlike Aaron Judge, unlike Shohei Otani, he's not breaking the mold. He's not sitting there and having a, oh my goodness, he just broke the record for a contract in the big leagues. He's not doing that. Like even if he had 70 home runs, Probably not happening that he that he has that record-breaking contract. Well, here's the benefit. It's something we've bitched about for many, many years could come back and hurt Pete and help us. And that is we've marveled at how disrespected he is by a lot of these sabermetrics, specifically war. Well, if general managers are making decisions on how they value players based on some of those numbers, some of those advanced metrics, he ain't going to be valued that high. And... What makes me happy about that is we watch every Met game. Like, I think he's a tremendous player. I've always been confused by the way some of these advanced metrics look at him, specifically defensively, and then also his war. Like, it hasn't really, to me, and I don't think I'm being biased in this, it hasn't matched what we've watched on the field. So if that continues to be the case, teams may not be in some kind of crazy bidding war for him. So it's one of those things that's bothered us for years but could actually benefit us. Yay. Yay. (laughs) Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. How do you see this team? What are your expectations for this upcoming season? Yeah, um, honestly, I, the whole the whole goal of the year is to is to grab one of those playoff spots because, I mean, anything can happen in the playoffs. Like just 
earn your earn your spot over 162 and then see see what happens in in october um but i definitely think with what we have like we we can can make a playoff spot but i mean again like this is the first couple days of camp uh we haven't even technically had our first full day yet as a full roster and as a full team so uh over the 162 games you gotta earn it you gotta earn every bit of it uh in that postseason spot I love how the expectations have changed and and we've said the same thing. So I'm not mocking Pete for saying it because we've also repeated this, which is we went last year from division division world series to, Hey, maybe we can make the playoffs and you never know. That, that's where we are. Lindor said the same thing. He cited the diamondbacks and the Rangers. You're hearing the same tone from Pete and fans are doing the same thing. I raised my hand. I'm doing the same thing which is we have far different expectations than we had last year. Doesn't mean the season has no chance to be successful. Doesn't mean the team can't shock the world and win a World Series. But we're using a new route to get there. Last year it was, hey, they could win 100 games and win the division. You never know. Now it's, hey, you never know, 85 wins. Ah, Last wild card spot. Diamondbacks. Those are the talking points. Those are the words. 85 wins. You never know. Diamondbacks. Those are the phrases that get us all pumped up as baseball fans. Before we end this podcast, please come back to me because I have a question for you that may change that perspective of just scrape into the playoffs. But we'll, we'll we got a few we got a few right. more minutes left of this. All right. Just given how effusive you've been about you know how much you like your time here in New York, et cetera, why is sitting back and listening the right strategy for you versus? Maybe something a little more proactive approaching them, that sort of thing. Um, that's, I mean, I just, just what I think is right. All right. So that answer, that confused answer is what sparked an email from Brian Smith. Brian writes, Pete Alonzo told us all he was gone in the press conference. And when he, when I saw that in my email, I said, what the hell does he mean? Brian is referring to that exact clip. The most telling question from the press conference was from Anthony DeComo after the 1230 minute mark when he asked Pete, you have been so effusive about your love of New York. Why haven't you been more proactive about initiating conversations with the Mets? Pete paused and had no answer. Um, um, that's what I just think is right, which is very well described, Brian, since we just played it. You guys need to be more intellectually honest about the fact that Pete wants the most money and he doesn't care where it's coming from. Also, this is going to be a distraction now as Pete will continue to listen, unlike Lindor, who set a hard line at opening day. So, Brian, I think we all agree that Pete Alonzo wants the most money. So when you say you guys need to be more intellectually honest about the fact Pete wants the most money and doesn't care where it's coming from, like, we kind of have all said the same thing. Now, maybe I'm not as harsh as he doesn't care where it's coming from. I think ideally he'd want to come back, but he wants to get paid. And that doesn't make Pete any more different than like 99% of the other players in Major League Baseball. You know, Aaron Judge did take less money, even though what we've also read is that that offer from the Padres wasn't a firm, firm offer. But in theory, more years and more money was floated out Aaron Judge. But most of the time, guys take the most money. Now, as far as why did he trip all over himself, I think he tripped all over himself because Scott Boris didn't prepare him. 
Now, I think the New York media can be good sometimes when you figure out kind of creative ways to ask questions to kind of get around the PR that's in the player's head because Pete got coached up before this press conference. That's why you keep hearing, we listened, we listened, we listened. I can see Scott Boris in his office saying to Pete Alonso, just tell him we listened. <laughs> but he didn't have a great answer for, hey, how come you haven't been more proactive? When, by the way, the answer to that, if we're being honest and we're not you know, trying to be PR correct here, is that's not how we negotiate. We don't feel like we're going to get the most money by being proactive. That we need to have them come to us. Now, is Pete going to say that? No, because he's not going to sit there and be as brutally honest as Brian is or we are that it's money, 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 money. But I think when you hear an answer like that where Pete does get tripped up, it doesn't mean he's gone. It means he didn't have the correct way to answer the question. And the correct way to answer the question was something that's not PR savvy, which is, hey, it doesn't help us in a negotiation to be the one continuing to ask. It's like the old trick between boys and girls. Like, I'm not going to text her. Let her text me. Hey, it's the same crap. So thank you for the email, Brian. We do appreciate it. The Rico B at gmail.com. But that's the clip he was referring to in which Brian thought Pete Alonzo was gone. I do not think he was gone. I just don't think he was coached well on the question. Hey, Pete, how would you assess your 2023 season as you kind of look to build into a contract here? Um, there's definitely some, uh, some good things and some bad things. Um, I thought that, uh, I did a really good job of, um, of hitting fastballs in the zone. But one thing I didn't do a good job of is, uh, my chase rate, my chase rate was uh, pretty high or higher than I'd like it to be. And I know I didn't necessarily strike out as much as I have in the past, but I definitely want to, uh, cut down on chase, maximize, da uh, damage in the zone and just overall consistency. I mean, really happy like with the homers and the RBIs and, and scoring a bunch of runs, which is which is great. That's all things I want to continue to do. But the, I guess uh, my just overall consistency and, and sharpening up my zone. A nice self-assessment by Pete. I was looking back at Pete's advanced numbers to see, okay, how did things from a batting average perspective go that wrong? And one of the things that jumps out at you is a lot of bad luck. His batting average on balls in play was far and away the lowest of his career. To keep this in perspective, in 2019, his batting average on balls in play was 280. In 2020, short sample size was 242. In 2021, it was back up to 274. 2022, 279. Okay, so 280. Take out two, uh, 2020 for a second, just the full seasons. 280, 274, 279. Last year, 205, which is... Mm a ridiculous bottom out. So a part of that is that he hit into a lot of bad luck. That That's a part of it. Like his strikeout percentage was up from the last two years, but it was actually down if you compare it to his rookie season of 2019. So Pete with some self-assessment, but that's our assessment. I mean, he had a ton of home runs, drove in a ton of runs. I think we all want to see that batting average get back up, and it should because his track record tells you it'll be back up. Again, taking out the shortened season 2020, you're looking at a guy with 260, 262, and 271. So logic would say he could be back up to 260 after hitting 217 last year.
Pete, if you count Carlos Beltran and whatever conversation or contact you might have had with him, I think this is your fifth manager in six years here. Does that matter? Does it take time for you to develop a bond or a chemistry with a manager? And how does that manifest in however you might wind up playing? Um, I think for me, uh, having a manager is, is great. I mean, to kind of facilitate things. But ultimately, I think, um, I mean, Skipper's always going to be a skipper, but I think who really ultimately drives the ship is uh, guys in the clubhouse, like with um, like kind of creating that culture and that um, and that identity. And I think that uh, we did an excellent job of, of sticking together last year, despite um, despite the team not playing well. Uh, guys caring for each other and playing for each other. I thought that we did an excellent job, and we're going to continue to to do a great job and build that chemistry. And, and we'll, we're going to continue to, to get better. And I think that especially with the strong bond that we have with um, the core guys, we're just going to, like the new guys, seems like it's a, a right fit. See, the locker room's great, no matter what anybody says, right? <laughs> Isn't that what Pete just said? Everybody loves each other. Everybody cares for each other. It is kind of nuts that Pete Alonzo, who's been in the major leagues now for five years, has been managed by 154 different people. <laughs> Like that, that really is remarkable when you think about it. And in fact, put this in perspective in his rookie season where he had 53 home runs and one rookie of the year, his manager was Mickey Calloway. Mickey Calloway feels like an eternity ago. So he had Mickey Calloway, Carlos Beltran for a few months, Luis Rojas, Buck Showalter, and now Carlos Mendoza. That, that is just. It's kind of stupid when you think about how many different managers he's had. Um, by the way, to me, I, I, either he like he gave the answer that you want to hear. You know, we stuck together. We're teammates. You know, I'm really proud of the guys. But it's it's one or two things with that answer. Either a he is that clueless that he doesn't understand that there was tension and that that the, the team didn't stick together. I mean, they were they didn't do they didn't back each other up at all. Or, or B, he just is trying to, like, throw, like, you know, I don't know, th- th- you know, throw a blanket over the fact that he knows it's not as good. Because it just – last year was such a bad camaraderie of teammates, in my opinion. I, but I don't know what that's based on. Like, what is that based <laughs> on? Because they didn't fight when Pete Alonso would get drilled by pitches? I mean, which no. is a softness, no question. But I don't know if that means there's a lack of camaraderie. That just means they were soft. No, that's it's based off the fact that there was lack of, of any sort of... They, want, they went from 101, te- 100, 101 wins to 75. The... Yeah, the, the belly flop. Yeah, but that I don't think that was. But, and I, but the belly flop. But I don't think that was because of the locker room. I no. mean, I, and I, I've said that for months and months and months. I think it was based on crappy starting pitching and a couple of position players who went from really good seasons to really shitty seasons. And I think that sometimes when you add all that together, that's how you get the belly flop season that you described. Yeah, but where's the but where's the leadership? Where's the self um, accountability? I don't think they they they. I, I, you're right. The, the with, when it comes down to getting hit by pitches and people are not going out there and like fighting. Okay, whatever. Like, is it whatever? I, I put I put that to the side. I say, where's the actual self accountability of we have to go and do a little bit more. Somebody else has to step up, be your leader of this team, and take the situation and and try to get this team back on track. I understand injuries happen, but injuries happen on every team. 
No, I get you. I just think there were a lot of reasons why the team sucked last year, and I think we're still holding on to this idea that the locker room was a part of it. I don't I don't think it was. I mean, let's think about all the stories that have come out over the last few months and all the evidence of a bad locker room. What's the evidence that we have? Tommy Pham ripping position players who didn't work hard and yet specifically said Francisco Lindor, Brandon Nemo, and Pete Alonso do work hard, which is basically the core so you've exonerated the core after Tommy Pham does this flamethrower about ah. this is the least working locker room of all time. But yeah, but it doesn't include the three most important players. So I don't know. Anyhow, let's hear what more Pete Alonzo has to say. How much pride did you take in the improvement in your defensive metrics uh, last season? And is that still a goal to keep pushing that forward here? Well, yeah, that's that's a goal 100%. Um, yeah, like all all assets of my game, I want to be the best I can be. And for me, like I know like the thing I'm talked about the most is offense and driving the ball at a ballpark and producing runs. But uh, defense, base running, and scoring runs, those are really important things to me. And I want to continue to getting, get better at that as well. Um, that's I want to be the best first baseman I could possibly be. He's definitely shown that. You know, we, we've said that a lot, that while he certainly isn't Rico Bronia quite yet defensively, I do feel like every year defensively he's getting a little bit better at first base. The surprise on your part that they didn't sign any big-name free agents this offseason? Um, you know, that's, that's – I don't know. That's, that's, that seems like a question for the front office. I, I don't know. I just, I just play here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, dude, I don't know. I just play here. Yeah, I it's it's I get why we ask that because I know a lot of Met fans have been disappointed, I guess, by this offseason. We didn't get enough big name free agents, but what the hell's Pete Alonso supposed to say? Yeah, it sucked. Or he should say, No, I love it. They're keeping that money fresh for me when they have to give me the money in a year. Well, you know what the funny thing is too, like they asked him early on in the press conference about like, oh, are you happy with like the additions to this team? Whatever, whatever they asked, he's like, oh, I'm excited to play with these guys. They, they, they had a great off season. Do you think he even knows who they added to the team? Well, he knows Harrison Bader. Right. I do know that. <laughs> that he's definitely uh, all over. I'm not sure if he knows about the pitching. Like if they if they quizzed him and said, all right, name the relievers and starters you added. Who knows? He may get a C plus on. You that. don't know if he. You think he knows Tyron Taylor? Tyron Taylor. <laughs> probably not david said the other day that when he got the job when he reached out to players a lot of them said you know we've got a lot of talent in this room. we're really confident we can bounce back what what gives you confidence that this core is good enough to, to win a championship i mean there's a lot of like excellent things that um that that happened out of last year i mean i'm just gonna go from go from i mean you had francisco like get a ton of mvp votes and win a silver slugger um i mean you had nims had like his best off season or offensive season ever um i mean jeff you can put jeff anywhere in the ball in the ball field he'll play that position and then and then hit um alvi i mean he did something only him and johnny bench did uh i think what was it only two catchers in major league baseball history to hit 25 or more homers um that's that's pretty cool um I mean, Starling's going to be healthy this year, and I mean, we got some really good arms, great arms in the bullpen. We're getting Sugar back. Like, I mean, there's a lot, there's a lot to to be happy and proud, proud and proud of that happened last year, and then build upon. I know the record didn't necessarily say, but we had a, a ton of really excellent individual performances, and I feel like if we can string it all, all of those individual performances together, and as a collective group, 
it's it's going to be it's going to be really productive for us in the one column during the season. I do buy. Look, he came prepared with a lot of information. I do buy that a lot of guys have confidence in this team based on what they did a year earlier and based on the fact that it is a very good core. You know, for anyone who dismisses it, here's what I would counter with. The Texas Rangers, and I know we're going to get so sick and tired of mentioning the Rangers and the Diamondbacks as examples, but the Texas Rangers in 2022 went 68 and 94. And what was their core? Their core was Marcus Simeon, who had just an atrocious year. Corey Seager, who had a decent year, but not a great year. And I'm talking about 2022. And Adolis Garcia, who had an okay year. Now, those three guys ended up getting better the following season. But would you have thought that that core specifically was that much better than the core the Mets have right now? So I think the Mets look at their core, the individuals of it, Nimmo, Alonzo, Lindor, and McNeil, and look at themselves. And Starling Marte, who, yes, was very good in 22, was not healthy last year. And that's where that self-confidence comes from. Like, I don't think the confidence in the Mets comes from their off-season additions to the point we were making. I think it comes from themselves. And they look around and see what they accomplished in 22 and say, why not? Why can't we be really good in 2023? Yeah, thanks, guys. LFGM. Thanks, guys. All right. LFGM, baby. He ends it with an LFGM. So overall, does anybody listen to that if that was the first time you were listening and walk away saying that guy's gone? I mean, I don't walk away thinking that guy's gone. I walk away thinking, wow, I wonder if the Mets are really serious about trying to get a negotiation done right now. I think about that, and I think about the fact that, yeah, he is. he wants to get paid. And if the Mets mess around next season in free agency, assuming he gets there, which at this point we all are, they certainly risk losing him. But he has the right attitude. He's coming in for a big season. Hopefully he has it. Hopefully he stays on the field. Uh, and he had some good coached up answers. And then there were some times where he got tripped up. So my overall impression is not to be depressed or any down or more down on what Pete had to say. But I think we're in that same boat of, they're probably not getting anything done anytime soon, and we're going to have to sweat out free agency a year from now. See, logically, I want to buy into what you just said, but I I could see the loopholes, and I, I have the questions built in already. It's obviously he wants the most money. What does David Stern's value? Does David Stern – if, if Pete Alonso goes off and has a great offensive year, but defensively he struggles – does David Stearns want to have that liability at first base? And I think one thing that we've seen is David Stearns is a defensive heavy manager. You know, that uh, baseball operations manager. That That's what he is. So can they bring in someone who could do a little bit of both at first base? I, I, I'm sorry. Like, Pete Alonso offensively is untouchable. Even if he's not going to hit more than 50 home runs in a year, he's going to give you about 40 consistently every single year. I just think that those numbers are irreplaceable. But again, it's what Stern's value is at. So that's where it's like I see a little bit of both every which way. It's like they're going to play hardball, but Stern's, does he does he need to play hardball? Does he need to even go that route? I'll give you a preview of something nine months early. Scott Boris represents Juan Soto. Scott Boris represents Pete Alonso. Scott Boris also represents some free agents that still haven't signed, and we're sitting here on February 20th. 
Uh, I think that Alonzo is going to have to wait. I think Juan Soto is going to set the tone for free agency next year. So why is that good news? If it is good news, I think as Met fans, we're going to know about Juan Soto's future before we know about Pete Alonso's. So if there are Met fans out there who say, look, guys, I get the emotional attachment to Pete, but Jesus Christ, get me Juan Soto. We may have Juan Soto done with the Mets before Pete leaves. And let's say that happens, which, look, my attitude is give me both. I want to eat everything at the same time. But let's say the Mets did steal away Juan Soto from the Yankees. And then a few weeks later, Pete Alonso signs with the Cubs. Would that soften the blow? It would. I admit that. As much as I don't want that, I want everything. I want them both. Because I think the difference between DeGrom and Verlander was you knew with Verlander you were just getting an older facsimile of a guy who's not our guy. And I think with Soto, you're signing a guy in the prime of his career who's going to be on your team for the next 12 years. So I'm not saying that I'm going to rationalize it that way because I'm not. I've made very, very clear. Steve Cohen's our owner. I want both guys. I want to keep Pete Alonso. And yeah, I want to go big game hunting for a generational talent that's a free agent. But I do think that the Soto decision will be made before the Alonzo decision, which may soften the blow for some Mets fans. Now, what was the question you wanted to ask me? Well, we had this on a couple of – we've done so many episodes the past, like, two weeks. I don't remember which episode it was. But I, within the past week or so, I brought up this idea because there's still a lot of free agents out there. And now there's rumors of maybe the Yankees are tr- going to try to go sneak in on Blake Snell. Maybe there's a one-year deal out there for $35 million. I mean, the past – last year, the year before, the Mets went – and basically threw a ton of money overpaid for veteran pitchers in Verlander and Scherzer. In this world right now, that there's still free agents available, maybe you could the, the Mets can sneak in and grab a Blake Snell for one year, no. $45 million, and that significantly no. changes this, this team. I, there's no, I don't think they're going to have to Blake Snell under any circumstances because even if he accepted a one-year deal, they're not giving up the two draft picks they have to give up in the international bonus money. Not when they're prioritizing building for the future. Jordan Montgomery, different story because it costs you nothing to sign Jordan Montgomery other than money, obviously. It doesn't cost you draft compensation. It doesn't cost you international bonus pool money. So I first of all, I don't think Blake Snell is settling for a short-term deal. I think that is a fallacy. I think he's going to get, I'm not going to say he's going to get exactly what he wanted, but he's signing a long-term contract. He's coming off a Cy Young award. Like, on what planet would it make sense for Blake Snell to kick the can down the road? He's coming off the best, one of the best years of his career. He's not going to do that again. And he knows it. <laughs> and Boris knows it. So, A, I don't buy the short-term deal. And B, a short-term deal doesn't make sense with the Mets. Does it make sense with the Yankees or a team that's going for it this year and doesn't mind giving up the two draft picks? Yeah, it doesn't make sense for the Mets. Montgomery's different. If, And I don't even think the price has to come down because we talked about this earlier in the offseason. I love the idea of adding Jordan Montgomery because that's a guy in your rotation for the next four or five years. And the Mets are going to have to fill a lot of rotation spots. We just went through Soto and Alonzo. What about the fact they're only going to have one rotation spot locked up next year? Mexican may have to spend a billion dollars during the offseason. But I think you got to get Blake Snell out your head. I, I don't think there's any scenario where the Mets sign Blake Snell. But hopefully you enjoyed listening to our reaction to Pete Alonzo. Any thoughts and comments, you could email the pod. 
TheRicoB at gmail.com. TheRicoB at gmail.com. We also have a phone number in which you can leave a voice message. Here is the number. You guys ready? 725-222-8699. That's how you can leave us a voicemail. 725-222-8699. We'll keep the Ricos coming. Trying to give you as much content as possible with the opening of spring training. Thank you for listening, downloading, and subscribing to Rico Brony. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Rico Bronya podcast. It's amazing, isn't it? Make sure you download it now to keep it on you at all times. <laughs>